created by the Rio Grande Oil Company. Welcome this week, calling all cars, attention all cars, broadcast 118. Be on the lookout for John Happel, described as small, thin, age 58, last seen in the vicinity of his home on Vernon Avenue. This man is wanted for questioning regarding the murder of his wife. That's all. Yes, I just got right. Mm. Here comes your husband. Morning, Mr. Happel. 
Good morning, Mrs. Wyatt. Well, I must be on my road, Mrs. Happel. See you tomorrow. Goodbye. Goodbye, Mrs. Wyatt. Where are you going? Now, don't go starting the day off. I'm nagging at me about work. I'm going out to look for a job as soon as I have some coffee. I, I wasn't going to mention that. I don't see how you get the idea that I'm always nagging you. There you are. I can't say much more of it. Is there any coffee on the fire? I think they're sending the pot. We'll have to warm it up. All right. I'll be in just as soon as I finish hanging off these clothes. Yeah, nice household when a man has to do his own cooking. Yeah, not enough coffee here. Yeah. Rose! Rose! What do you want? Where do you keep the coffee? There isn't any left in the pot. Oh, well, well wait a second. I'll come in and make you some more. Yeah, you don't have to adjust yourself. Just tell me where to find the coffee and I'll make it myself. I don't mind making it for you, John. So you sit down over there and read the paper and I'll have some fixed in a minute. <laughs> it's funny you'll be in nags about it. You must want something. John, what makes you so disagreeable? Are you feeling all right? Of course I'm feeling all right. Good as a can for you. Are you nagging me all the time? Oh, you talk nice in front of people, but I know what you're thinking. I can see by the way you look at me that you think I'm a lazy good for nothing. Well, maybe I am. All right, John. Don't get yourself all worked up over it. Read the paper or something until I finish making the coffee. Never mind the coffee. I don't want it now. I'm going out and see if I can find some work. Anything to get away from you. You've got me worried, John. Sometimes I think you're not sane. I'm not sane. That's the last car. That's the only thing you haven't said before. Yeah, I might have known you'd think of it sooner or later. I am sane. You're the one that's crazy. You're crazy as a woman. John, John, for heaven's sake, calm down. Your heart won't stand it. My heart won't stand it. I won't stand it. I'm sick and tired of your talk, talk, talk all the time. I won't stand it any longer. Tell you that. I'll think of something, some way to make you keep quiet. John, please don't go out in such a condition. You're liable to get into trouble. Trouble? You're the biggest trouble I have. I won't have you much longer. You wait. I won't have to listen to you much longer. Just you wait and see. John Happel spends the day looking for employment, nursing himself to made raids, finding ways of thwarting his wife. And that night, he returns to the bungalow court, enters the house, walks into the bedroom where his wife was under. Is that you, John? Yes. It's me, Rose. You sound tired. Have any luck? I didn't get a job. That's what you mean by luck. You will. Maybe things will be better tomorrow. I look as though you could stand a good night's sleep. Rose, could you lend me a dollar? Tonight? Yeah, right now. What in the world do you want a dollar for now? You're going to bed. I'm not going to bed. I only came home to ask you for a dollar. Well, well, I haven't any money in the house tonight, John. Won't tomorrow be time enough? Tomorrow? I'm afraid tomorrow will be too late. What's the matter with you, John? What are you thinking about? Nothing that matters. At least, not to you. You're not going out again. I am. I'll be back in a minute. I just want to get something. Get something? Well, what? 
and you pay a movie at a $10 bill. Is it coming from a road big enough to take a car? From the teller in the bank where Rose Happel kept the savings account. Why, yes. Mr. Happel came into the bank and began to check for $491.30, signed by his wife. A closed out of savings account, but the signature looked genuine enough. I gave him the cash without a question. A close inspection of the check and comparison with others, signed by Rose Happel, establishes it as a forgery. In the little shack where the trunk was found, detectives discovered a heavy iron bar used to murder the victim. Little by little, the facts poured a chain of evidence which points directly at John Happel. Without his whereabouts, no trace to be found. Then, on December 14th, two weeks after the murder, detectives staked out the death bungalow, take a letter addressed to Happel from the postman, and turn it over to Captain Bradley. It is signed by a person named Meyer and mentioned certain business dealings. The letter is postmarked St. James, Missouri. Acting upon this clue, a wire is sent to the chief of police in St. Louis, requesting him to be on the lookout for Happel and giving him a complete description. And in St. Louis, the Pullman Angel Hopkins, reading the name in the police bulletin, recalls the fact that he knows a William Happel, John Strother, who lives in Maxwell, just outside of St. Louis. Suspecting that the wanted John Happel would get in touch with his brother, the Pullman Angel Hopkins drives to Maxwell and for two days mingles with the inhabitants. Each his ears open for any bit of news of Happel. On the third day, his patience rewarded while he is ordered in the general store. He overhears a couple of farmers state that their old friend John Happel has just taken the bus for Arnold. Hopkins intercepts the bus, arrests Happel, and takes him to headquarters in St. Louis. And there, surrounded by several members of the St. Louis Police Department, John Happel amazes his audience with his calm, dispassionate account of the brutal murder. Anyway, that morning we had a fight and... She ran me out of the house with the broom. Kept hitting me on the back with it. Told me to get out and not come back till I had a job. What did you do then? Oh, I went out and thought it over. Then that night I came home and as soon as I saw her, I decided I'd do what I'd said I'd do. So I got a piece of pipe. Where did you get the pipe? Out of the little shed and back where I kept a bunch of stuff. I used to sit out there and think in the daytime. It was the only place where I could get any peace. Anyway, I got the pipe, and when I walked in, she was sitting on the bed, taking off a stocking. So I just reached over and hit her on the head. Then what did you do? Well, I sat down and thought it over and decided I'd better put her somewhere. So I started the trunk I had in the house, and I dragged it in, and what do you Didn't you feel badly about it? Killing Rose? No. She had it coming to her. If I had it to do over again, I wouldn't do any difference. She had it coming to her. Continuing in detail, the little thin man makes a complete confession and seems to be absolutely glad that he's going back to Los Angeles to face trial. Puzzled over his apparent desire to return to the authorities, McCarthy tries to question Happel about it, but receives only the information that he's glad the suspense is over, and that he wants to get back to California where it's warm. So on December 22nd, Deputy George Stone of the Los Angeles District Attorney's Office arrives in St. Louis, completes the legal procedure of expedition, and starts to get back to Los Angeles with Happel in company. Three days later, on Christmas, two women, 
Mrs. Minna Kramer, Mrs. Elise Reinhardt of St. Louis, drive out to the small farm near St. James, where their brother Henry Myers lives in lonely solitude. Each out of bare existence on the wind's of property. Arriving at the farm shortly before noon, the women sent a field of desertion about the ramshackle white house. Henry should have held the horn when I blew it on the back road there. He usually comes out to meet me. Maybe not well. I never did see how I could live out here all night and not get sick. Oh, we'd better go in and see what's the matter. I feel queer inside of me. There's something wrong here. That's funny. I feel the same way. He's dead. He's piling about something. Come on, Elise. Hurry. That hat is coming from around the back somewhere. Here's the cat. Follow me. Henry. Henry. Where are you? Minna, that dog is out on the back porch. I'm going to look. I'll go with you. Can you see anything? Oh, my Well, that's exactly what's going to happen if you don't tell us the truth about this. 
Because we know as well as you do that you killed Henry Myers. We've got letters written by him to your wife talking about the farm. All right, be quiet for a minute and I'll tell you. I can't stand people in the air to me. I'll tell you. That's more like it. Now, tell us about it. Well, Rose had tried to get him to move off the farm or pay some rent on it for a long time. And he wouldn't do it. Said the farm wasn't worth anything and then he wouldn't get off it. So when I got back there, I thought I'd go and either get some money from him or drive him off. Did you write on that farm? Yeah. All right, go ahead. Well, I went out to the farm and told him who I was. And he began to tell me all about the trouble he had trying to make a living and all that. And I told him I didn't care. And all I wanted was some money or for him to clear out. So what happened? Well, he insisted that he couldn't pay anything and made me mad. I had stopped in a little town and bought a small rifle. And I had it wrapped up in a package. So I... We talked, he sat down on the, we talked, he sat down on the, we talked, he sat down on the bed, and I started to put the bed, and I started to put the gun together. What did he do then? Nothing. Oh, he got a little gun, and I said, yes. I was going to make him get off the property with it. Didn't he try to stop you from putting the gun together? No. He just smiled at me and made me even madder. So I finished assembling the rifle and put a cartridge in it. When he started to look at me, I pulled the trigger and he fell over backwards. There wasn't any noise or flush. He just fell down without saying anything. Tell me, Mr. Happel, just what did you think you were going to gain by shooting this man? Gain? Well, I suppose I figured on gaining anything. Only my wife had told him to get off, and now I was telling him to get off, and he wouldn't do it, and it made me mad. So I got him. On February 11, 1935, John Happel goes to trial before Superior Court Judge Charles W. Fritz, pleading not guilty by reason of insanity. But Doctors Edwin Waite and Benjamin Blank, after carefully reviewing the case and examining the accused man's mind, declare... I know the man undoubtedly has a twisted sense of precautions and a strange persecution complex. It is the belief of my associate, Dr. Blake, and myself, and Mr. Hutton is not suffering from any form of insanity. Few days after this damaging piece of testimony, days after this damaging piece of testimony, Deputy District Attorney Starman closes his summary with the words: "There can be no doubt about it. This man, John Hepburn, planned the murder of his wife carefully, knew exactly what he was going to do, and did it with willful intent to kill. He's a cunning, strange being, guilty beyond all doubt of first-degree murder." And on February 15th, 1935, John Hebble, the jury has found you to be guilty of murder in the first degree. Before this court passes, Judge Monroe will unsentence you anything to say. She shouldn't have lied, Judge Monroe. John Hebble, I sentence you to life in prison in 10, 7, 10, and 10. Life in the 10? That's fine, Judge. Now I'll have three square meals a day, and nobody can nag at me. That suits me fine, Judge. 
this unusual murder case, see the latest issue of the Calling All Cars News, which your neighborhood independent Rio Grande dealer will gladly give anyone absolutely free of charge. While you're in his station, we hope you will fill up your tank with Rio Grande craft gasoline and see for yourself why it is specified for more police, fire, and emergency cars than any other brand. If you need oil, your Rio Grande dealer offers you the only 25-cent canned motor oil that's guaranteed to be free from wax and useless petroleum jelly. Sinclair Opaline motor oil. For only 25 cents per quart can. This oil is guaranteed to give perfect lubrication at the highest or lowest temperatures where other oils break down. It is a fact that you actually do get greatest value for your money from your Rio Grande dealer. Crocs, gasoline, and Sinclair motor oils have made Rio Grande the fastest growing oil company in the West because they are such outstandingly superior values. Thank you.